Warning, this episode contains conversations about drug use. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. I think you should take one hit of that weed. Weed. (laughs) And I think you'll have a really good time. And enjoy it, man. All right. Welcome to the Good Life Store podcast. This Good is morning. Jeremy. This is DJ. And we are here with Jessica Blanchard today. And we're going to get to you, Jess. I promise you. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about some new products that we have in the store. So I just, I, I had to run downstairs and get these as quick as possible because the world needs to know about these. We have found the most amazing edible on the planet. It is deliciously dangerous. Coned. It's that that best part of the ice cream. Let me explain to you (laughs) how excited about these. I was as a former fat guy. Do you see that there is no Ziploc opening here? (laughs) It is cut with a knife. (laughs) You couldn't get it open either. (laughs) Couldn't get it open. I cut that shit so fast. They're so good, though. Look at these. I know. I'm, I'm so sorry for those that are listening to the podcast. You are missing out. Go to YouTube, if anything, just to see this next thing. I know. It's a little baby ice cream cone. I know. I know. It just looks so innocent and so like a little baby ice cream. There is cookies and cream fudge in there or dark chocolate, and it's dosed with THC. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Though they are so so dangerous. I sat there. I know I ate three of them before I was going. Oh shit! Oh shit! This is gonna be a fun ride. <laughs> MC works behind the counter for us. He's part of the Cannon Moms. Which, if you don't know about the Cannon Moms, you should definitely follow the Cannon Moms on Instagram. She told me yesterday. You know what I want to do with those? I want to go to the movie theater and just watch a movie and eat the entire bag. <laughs> she probably could. <laughs> I feel like a field trip is in order. Oh, I mean, I'm game. What movie, though? (laughs) (laughs) We got to find one that's worth it. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. There's not many good movies out anymore, so. I think the last time we took a good life field trip like that, it was to see Pitch Perfect (laughs) 3. Yeah. (laughs) That was a guilty pleasure back then. That was back whenever you guys called me World's Greatest Boss. Well, we still do. I can't imagine (laughs) what made it so great whenever we would skip work to go watch movies like Pitch Perfect. There's a whole background behind that. One day we'll get into how our obsession with uh, Pitch Perfect is. <laughs> okay, before we get started with Jess, DJ, what's your good thing of today? My bright spot is I'm finally getting somebody out to come look at my pool so I can have it refinished. So. I, I need I need the pool, pool up part? and run. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm down. My good thing of today is going to be that I finally, this is not good for majority of people that hear this, but hop water. If you like IPAs, they now make water with hops in it. Sounds weird. It's amazing. It's a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. I don't drink alcohol, so now I can have my hops as well. There you go. And we do have hops water in the store now. 
Okay. Without further ado, because I'm so excited for everybody to meet you. Everyone, Jess. Jess, say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> oh, let me turn you on. There you go. <laughs> hi, everyone. <laughs> so, Welcome. Yeah. And we're going to, we're trying something new today with all these camera stuff. So, don't mind it if it gets confusing or if I'm looking over here and Jess is actually over there. Don't mind it. I'm just going to focus right here to you. <laughs> okay. So Jess, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. So if I'm squinting because of the lights <laughs> and stuff, we're just going to let that go too, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm Jess, Jesse B., um, it's what I'm mostly known as. Um, I'm a nurse and I'm a mama and a wife and a cat mama and a dog mama. And I'm just here because you guys think I've got something cool to say. Oh, you definitely have some cool things to say. And that's, that's a little bit modest of you saying that you're just those things. Hey, everybody's got to start somewhere. Jess is a saint in our community, and not just in our community, but all over the place. Uh, you dedicate your life to harm reduction, or at least that's the way it looks. I do. I do now. Yes, absolutely. So how did you arrive at a place to where you are so invested into harm reduction? So as a nurse, we're trained to help stamp out disease and pestilence and you know keep everybody at optimal living capacity and health and um I have a daughter I have the most beautifully amazing wonderful creature of a daughter who found herself using illicit substances um intravenously IV and I wanted her to stop because that's what we do. We stop. We yeah. don't do that, right? We don't do that. Who does that? We got to quit that. And she was Majority wasn't. of people's reaction would be that for sure. Well, yeah, yeah that's the logic. Don't yeah. do that. It's bad. Stop. But she wasn't stopping. What she was doing was she was continuing and she was overdosing. Yeah. And she was almost dying a whole bunch of times. So you got a crash course first front row seat to the horrible addictions that most people have to go through or I, some people have to go through i did and the only thing i had to lean into was not knocking anybody's path because recovery is personal but the 12-step modality was all i had ever heard of was all mm -hmm. i ever knew well we tried that with her that was not working as evidenced by she kept using and she kept almost dying. Why do you think that it didn't work for her? Because she's not ready to stop. You yeah. can't force somebody to be ready to do something they're not ready to do. Yeah, I I think the I've dealt with it myself, um, you know, having addictions in my past. And what I could never make other people understand about my situation was that I understand that you want me to quit. I want me to quit. I don't want to do this, but you don't understand what it's like to feel that the full force of that pain that these things dull. That's exactly right. People who medicate, self-medicate off the street, 
over-medicate with licit prescriptions. People medicate with alcohol. People medicate with food. People medicate to stop some type of hurting, to stop some type of pain, physical, mental, psychological, spiritual. Only they know the true depth of their pain. Only they know exactly where the pain's coming from. And they're the only ones that can change. People change when change makes sense to them and they are ready. Do you feel like that that's where it kind of gets messed up for majority of people in the public? When they look at addiction, they see drugs, they see the stuff that kills you. They don't think about the aspects of their life that is wholeheartedly addiction based. They're just not willing to accept that. Hey, what's the, you know, if you, if you read the Bible, the Bible's full of amazing, amazing stories. You know what the, you know, the, the plank, you know, remove the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the speck from mine kind of thing. That's exactly right. Um, we've got people out here who are just beating other people up about their drug and alcohol use, um, who are smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, or, you know, they have to have their you know three big mcdonald's sweet teas every day Mm -hmm. um addiction and dependency comes in many different shapes and forms yeah and unfortunately you can't exactly look to power structures for a guided hand to help you because that's not a guided hand in my opinion it's most of the time with with there's always exceptions to every rule obviously but majority of what i've seen is that there's no understanding. There's no want to understand. There's no need to understand. Therefore, there's no education to the public. And when the public is not informed, all they have is talking points to hang their hat on without any life experience. Absolutely. That's all we've got. We look on the internet. We go to Facebook, social media. We see what the latest thing is on the on your favorite news channel. And that must be the gospel according to Fox, according to CNN, according to Instagram and that's what people go on that's not the way you do it you have to get out and you have to talk to the people who are actually living it and find out their why learn their why so what was it getting back to the story of your daughter and how you started into this what was it that changed your way of thinking from looking at your daughter as she has a problem to i need to help her so i had been trying to force my ideologies of help onto her she kept overdosing she kept running from me she kept lying she kept hiding the truth because every time she'd try to share the truth with me I would chastise her I would tell her how morally wrong she was or whatever one day in a parking lot right I mean just forced her into isolation almost Mm -hmm. I went from being her I went from being the MVP in her life to being her public enemy number one wow Um, what changed was the day she threw her hands out to the side and said, mama, what the fuck do you want from me? And I threw my hands out and said, if you could just not die, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Live. And that's when it hit me. I still have chills every time you say that. Yeah. That one hit me hard too. when I heard it first, but that's it. A little teary, (laughs) but that's it. If you could just not die, that would be great. And I had to sit with that. I had to say, just don't die. Like the rest of it, yeah. Like, does I mean, in the 
big picture, yeah, I don't want her shooting dope. Yeah, who does? But in the big picture, just don't die. Yeah. Because we can work with the rest of it. Well, then that's not why she's using it either. She's not using it to die. That's not her intention. Or not, I would imagine that's not anyone that's using its intention. No. So us looking at them and saying, I want you to stop because I don't want you to die. They, to someone that's in full-blown addiction, I would imagine they don't understand that concept because they're not trying to die. What do you mean I'm going to die? I'm not trying to die. Right. Um. You know, she she's not trying to die. She doesn't, she can't, she can't see what she's doing from my point of view any more than I can see what she's doing from her point of view. Yeah. And that's the thing that I really had to wrap my head around. I still don't know why my baby uses drugs. I have no idea. You she think does. that she knows? I, I, I do. Hmm. She does. And when she's ready to deal with whatever that is, she will. Just don't die. So... From your daughter, where did it go? Like, where, what made you go, like, I want to explore this more? I didn't know that, and I, I even hate to say the word, the, the term harm reduction, because it's been so co-opted and um, watered down, yeah. but just don't die. Okay, well, so what's happening? She's overdosing. How do we prevent that? We get Narcan. So... I connected with George Overdose Prevention. I became a Narcan distributor. I can get all the Narcan. Good. That that meant that because, you know, most middle-aged white women think Narcan's harm reduction. So that was that. Well, but as I'm giving them Narcan, I'm noticing these raggedy arms. I'm noticing little sores on some of their mouths. I'm, I'm like, well, what's causing this? Or what's happening here? And what's happening there? All right, well, it's good that you're alive, but you're getting sick. You're... Mm-hmm. You're, you're all are sharing supplies. Your, your legs are swelling. If you got some heart failure going on, so then we had to dig even deeper and start almost working backwards. You know, all right, you're doing this stuff, but we gotta, but it's making y'all sick. How can we fix and start working on that? So it it almost became, uh, it's what what it sounds like is, like you wanted to become kind of an independent healthcare source for these people that have either a no access to healthcare or b when they actually do have access to healthcare they get looked down on and they don't receive the care that they need it was about it yeah yes and no so it wasn't about what i wanted to become it was about what i heard they needed yeah and me saying okay within the scope of Within the scope of practice as a as a registered nurse in the state of Georgia, there are things I can do to help bridge this healthcare gap that you have found yourself in. And that is what I very organically started doing. Yeah. So how with the organization now with 229 Safe for Living Access, how long has this been going? This is my second official registered with the state year um i've been doing it a little over three wow and do you have uh any idea on how many people that have you've either helped or come in contact with during that time well i can tell you that at this point um we touch 
about 160 unique individuals every Monday. Um, over the course of three years, I don't know. Many have come and gone. Some have moved away. Some have died. Um, 17 have moved into long-term abstinence. That's awesome. So what was the state of our community in Albany whenever you came into this field and you started working in this area what what was was there harm reduction I guess is is my question no there was no harm reduction here um there was just people dying overdosing I mean there was weeks we'd have seven ten overdose deaths a week yeah I remember yeah and um and that was it. People are dying. People are dying. People are dying. And EMS was running calls. The coroner was, was you know, making calls. That was it. People were just dying. Well, it kind of became a no-brainer. Fuck, people are dying. How do we stop that? Do, have you gotten much support from community leaders? And Well, you know, when I started doing what I was doing, I didn't know... I mean, first off, I went, I researched enough to find out that I wasn't going to get arrested for doing what I was doing. I wasn't going to lose my nursing license for doing what I was doing. That was the most important thing right right at that moment because I have to eat too. But I just kind of started doing what I do. I didn't ask anybody's permission. Um, I didn't go talk to anybody. I just, because it happened organically. I didn't even mean to be doing this. This is not what I saw myself doing at this point yeah. in my life. This was just to help your daughter, and in doing so, you realized you could help more than just your daughter. Kaylin would come up, I'd give her what she needed, and then Kaylin would be like, hey, what about my homie over here? And I'd give them what they needed, and then they'd have homies, and the homies had homies. And and it just kind of blossomed from there. And then the homies made new homies. And <laughs> well, yeah. You told me about something before we got on camera. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it blew me away. You told me that there was a hotline, a never use alone hotline that people like yourselves put together these packages for uh, people that are in active addiction and their needles and their things like, uh, you know, go into that a little bit. All right. Well, you just, you just put two whole different things into one box. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's, let's tease them. Let's tease that out a little bit. Okay. All right. So two, so, all right, so 229 Safer Living Access is the little organization that I founded here that I started organically. Um, people, people who use substances are going to use substances whether they have safe equipment or not. It doesn't matter. You know, the whole enabling thing. You yep. enable people. I do enable them. I damn sure do. I enable them to live. Okay, I enable them to be healthy. You're going to inject drugs. You're going to inject drugs. And until you've sat and watched somebody sharpen a needle on the side of a building on a brick, you don't get that. Well, I was, I, you just sparked this thought in my head. And it was, it's so perfect of a way to say it because whether you want them to or not is irrelevant. It, do, it doesn't matter. They're going to use. They have to. Yeah, they have to. So I think that is this it's a problem that we see a little bit but i from talking to you you see it constantly and it's just the the simple misconceptions of addiction in general and and like you said that doesn't even have to stem from drugs and things like that i had a food addiction a major food addiction 
that would have killed me eventually. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror on the last day of what I consider to be my old life. And I looked at myself and I said, you're either going to change today or you're going to die. But you had to get there. Yeah, exactly. There was no diet. There was no person. There was no need that could have pulled me out of it. You know what I mean? Like I, I now granted, you know, my kids, uh, something like that, I think maybe could have motivated me to, but at the end of the day, even that it doesn't come from my brain, making a commitment to myself. And I think that so many people in my experience, they get caught up in the idea that addiction is only whatever kills you in terms of drugs, things like that. And like you said, there's so many aspects to addiction. Everyone's addicted. Everybody, everybody's got some type of, so I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to, to, to learn a new word. We're going to talk about, let's talk about dependence. Okay. Okay. So everybody's dependent on something. Everybody's got to have nicotine or caffeine Mm, or food or whatever. Okay. So dependence versus addiction. Okay. All right. You're dependent on your nicotine. You're dependent on your caffeine. Okay. For sure. Dependent. Your body has to have it. Your mind has to have it. Yep. Would you suck a dick for it? Would you sell ass for it? There is where we're switching. And that may, and that's not even accurate because a lot of people do sex work and sex work is a very, very noble very noble profession for those that that choose to do that um but at the point that you are not a sex worker and you have to decide to do something that you would not normally do would you steal from your parents would you rob a store would you break into a storage building would you do sex work when you're not a sex worker at the point that you decide that i have to have this to the point that I am willing to do anything, even the things that I would never, ever do to get this, you have switched to an addiction. It's very important to to tease those two things out. I've never even considered it in that way. Ever. Yeah. So you're dependent on your nicotine, you're dependent on your caffeine, you're dependent on your fast food, you're dependent on whatever it is are you willing to break laws? Are you willing to compromise yourself to get those things? There's your oh, difference. Yeah, that's and that's an enormous difference. That's yeah. an enormous difference. So how do you feel that people should gain access or not gain, uh, gain knowledge and gain understanding of either addiction or knowing how to spot dependency versus addiction. I mean, how can the public that has no understanding, how do you feel that they, they could or should educate themselves? Well, first off, I think they, why are they even, why do they care? First off, are, are they trying to be the morality police are, or do they see the people on the corner in a neighborhood and, wonder how they got there why are they there what are they doing do they need 
a resource or an assistance that is available that they don't know about? Are you just sick of seeing these people standing on the street and you want them to move? I think the, the first question is an internal question that a whole lot of people aren't ready to ask themselves. Do I yeah. want to know what's going on with this group of people? Because if I know of a resource that's available for them, I can offer it to them. Or am I just a nosy bitch and don't want them standing on the street corner? And if the answer is you're just a nosy bitch that doesn't want to stand on the street corner, you need to just maybe change your route. You need to maybe go a different way yeah. and stop looking at them because what they're doing is obviously none of your business. Now, if you see them there and you're genuinely curious about why they're there, is there is there a need there? Then the best way to find out what's going on with them, fucking stop and ask them. Roll up one day with some snacks and a cooler full of water and just be like, yo, I got some snacks and some waters. And and maybe be consistent with that. Do that every Tuesday or every Saturday. Just be the just roll up. And at some point somebody's gonna say, Yo, why you keep coming to this corner? And be like, because I ride by here every day and y'all look like y'all thirsty and I got water. What the fuck? And at some point, somebody's going to tell you their story. And then at that point, you can say, well, you know, if you if you could reach your hand in a bucket and pull out the one thing that you need that could get you out off of this street corner, if that's what you want to do, what would that thing be? For some people, it's as simple as I could get an apartment if I had an ID. It would change everything for him. Yeah. If I had an ID. Yeah. Well, Something so simple. You told us a story a couple months back, and it still resonates with me just simply because of who the boots belong to. But you had a guy that you were working with, and he, he had a job lined up. He had the job. But the one thing that he needed were steel-toed work boots, and he could not afford them. And you had an extra pair at the house that belonged to a dear friend that, of ours that passed, and you took him the work boots. Yep, I see. He that's that's all it took. He just needed boots. He needed boots. And, you know, because we we stop, we stop on this corner every Monday, every Monday afternoon at the same exact time we're at this street corner, 12.20 p.m. every Monday. He comes up and he talks to us and talks to us and talks to us. He's like, I got a job. I just need some boots. I called my partner, Mark. Mark's like, I got some. I sent Jasmine to the house. Jasmine come back with the boots. Ain't seen Cat since. Twice, maybe. Don't see him because why? He's working. He's working. Because he's on his job. He needed a pair of boots. That's amazing. But I wouldn't have known he needed boots if I hadn't asked, if I hadn't been there to talk to the man. You know, you got to be there to talk to people and find out what the deal is. For some reason, I, I don't know what's wrong with, I, I would could say the country, I could say the world, but I don't understand how it just seems like there's, and what sucks really bad is that being in the position that DJ and I are in to where we are, you know, anyone that's in a management position or a leadership position within your job, if you own your own company, even in your home life, you know, if you're the head of household, the it's instilled, it was instilled in me from, from very, very young to be the example, you know, to, to set the example to, if you're, if you call yourself a leader, uh, you jump in the fire first, you know, you show 
someone that maybe doesn't have the level of understanding that you have, you show them how, you know, you, no one can learn anything unless they're taught or unless they learn it for themselves. There is no magic solution that allows someone to have a complete understanding of a subject or an idea, especially if they've never had experience with it. But for some reason, it's like culture says, you're this, you're that, and you're that. And you're supposed to hate them, and they're supposed to hate you, and that's just the way it is. And it, and it seems like the population, majority of the population, I don't even want to say majority, some of the population falls for it, you know, and, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I do hate that person. And it's like, well, why do you hate them? I don't know. There's, there's no legitimate reason to add hate and anger into your life. And I, I can't understand how you can look at someone that's suffering on the street obviously so it's not like they're out there living a good life you know what i mean it, it baffles me that someone could walk over someone so here i go to push back a little bit okay everybody that you see on that street corner isn't suffering you know people live the life that they choose to live Sometimes those people are there because they don't want to be. But, you know, sometimes people are okay where they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what we have to. But that goes back to that stopping and talking to people. Well, that's that's kind of what I was I was going at is like, you you know, like you said, he needed boots and you would never would have known that if, if you would have stepped over him. And it's unfortunate that people choose more more times than not to step over that person than to just ask them, because like, like you said, maybe he loved being out. Maybe he was just out there for whatever. But and you never would have known until you just it, acknowledged him as goes, a person. It goes back to us being the morality police. OK, this person cannot be happy standing on the street corner. Yeah, they can. And if they tell me they are, and if they tell me they are, they are. It's not up to me to tell them they're not. It's yeah. not up to me to show them, convince them there's a better life. They know what life looks like. That's very true. It ain't. That's not our job, bro. That's not our job. Our job is just to love them. Yeah, just to and care. treat everybody equally and you know one of the things that you know i'll talk about the elephant in the room all three of us sitting here we look the same we're white mm-hmm. we're white white saviorism is real it's really really real and what happens is us white folks think we know better than anybody else us colonizers we're going to come in and we're going to take over we're going to take it over. We're going to run this thing. No. I mean, we can try. We can swim. What we'll do is we'll fuck it up for everybody. Yeah. We don't, we don't do that. We don't get the right to do that. We, we show up. We show up. And we say, because of my white privilege, white privilege is real. Challenge me if you want to. It's real. Because of my privilege... I can stand on this street corner and ain't nobody going to look at me. For sure. Because of my privilege, I know people. Because of my privilege, I know resources. Yep. Now, what is Now, let me tell you what I let me tell you what's out here if you if you care to hear it. Let me tell you what's out there. 
And is there any of this that you think might help you? There is. Let me connect you. I ain't got to do it for you because I don't have to. I don't have to save you. I don't have to save nobody. But what I will do is use my privilege to connect you with these resources. And what I will do is use my privilege to shut people up so that you can speak your truth so that you can be heard. I will use my privilege to silence people who want to talk over you and talk around you or talk for you. I will tell that other, that other white person or what, shut up. Yeah. They know what they need. And I'm going to need you to hush and listen. Yeah. Now, when you demonstrate to people that that's what you're there to do, I'm not there to do nothing for you. But if you need help silencing somebody, if you need help being heard, I'm not going to amplify your voice, but I'm going to stop the noise so that your voice can be heard. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking back to before, you know, the 229 started and the way that even I'm guilty of it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he is oh, too. I, I seeing, will admit. Seeing yeah. people on the street corner going, oh, just looking down your nose at them like, like they're a second-class citizen, and you don't know their story. You don't know how they got there. Um, I, there's one here in Albany. She was in another town she got into some type of an accident she got hospitalized she's back in albany but she's she's addicted to drugs now because of you know the pain she was in after the accident and whatnot and we've got friends that have tried to help her and she's just not ready so she likes to sit on the corner i wave to her every time i see her now because after hearing your stories and the way that you started approaching things it changed my entire mindset i'm no longer like ugh, get away from me now it's you know what do they need water? I've got cold water, you know. Very, very similar story for myself with in terms of you. Um, I'll tell everyone the story about how you and I came uh, into contact with each other through DJ. Um, we had just started moving into pipes and bongs and, you know, the, the whole world of CBD and alternatives and things like that. And uh, I think we were... I don't even remember how you got brought up, but DJ said, I have this friend and she goes and she helps, uh, drug users with needles and, you know, things that they need. And, uh, I remember the conversation that you and I had before we went and met you at Harvest Moon. Oh, he was skeptical. I was very skeptical because I, I, I remember saying, I don't think we need to get deep into that side of the uh the equation and then i went and met you at harvest moon that day and i ate my words you completely changed the way that i thought about this stuff i credit a lot of how i think now with that conversation you changed my life that day like you need to know that uh you you brought me to tears that day you know with your story it 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 is the most noble thing that I have heard someone do for their child in a long time. And any parent that can't acknowledge that, there's something wrong with that. I just don't want her to die. <laughs> We're all tearing up here. <laughs> I just don't want her to die. And 
and it started with her. But you know, every single person that I get to love on in this town, that's somebody's child. It's somebody's child, or it's somebody's parent, um, or somebody's sister or brother, and they all deserve, we all deserve the same. At the, the root of all of this is just don't be a shitty person. Don't be yeah. a dick. Don't, don't be a shitty human Don't be being. a dick. That is real Golly, simple. Yeah. Until you've had to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you do not know their story. You do not know their struggle. And like you said, oh my gosh, if no one real, I don't care what your financial situation is. I don't care what your status is and what you think you have. You're right. You're absolutely right that it can be taken from you. You can lose everything just like that. It, just like that. Without even trying sometimes. It can just happen. Life happens. Tragedy happens. Trauma happens. And it, you know, I don't ever want to be that person where if that equation strikes on me, I know myself, you know, I know now that I have very addictive a personality, uh, uh, very addictive personality. And, and like you said, now, now that you say it, a very dependent personality so i scare myself sometimes whenever i get into that dark place and i think anyone that doesn't admit that you know maybe you're not telling yourself the whole truth like we get we have the tendency to take ourselves way down into the the depths of hell without even meaning to get there who's to say that you won't go for drugs in that situation you know no one knows and that's fine if that's what you choose yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, But if you have the resources to get what you need, that's one thing. If you find yourself without the resources, now what are you willing to do? Yeah. Whew. That's heavy. <laughs> but it's I not. Do, but do. it's not at the same time. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Well, I do want to address the second half of where we started with that, which was you telling me about that there's the phone number. There's oh, yeah. Now that part, I don't know if there's somebody listening that uses, but if you do use or if you have someone in your life that use, uses, please, please listen to this next part because explain the phone number. Okay. So there's an organization that was founded, August was three years ago, um, called Never Use Alone. Never use alone. Now, people have got real reasons for using substances alone. Stigma, shame, fear of being locked up, all that kind of good stuff. People who overdose and die are typically not... So there's a difference, too, here. We talk about drug overdose, drug overdose. Well, you overdose if you know you've got morphine, 15 milligram or 30 milligram pills, and you're supposed to take one, and you decide to take eight. You just overdosed. You took over your dose. Let's say that you thought you're getting morphine 30 milligrams off of the street. And they're not, let's say that they're fentanyl. I was just about to say, is fentanyl a problem around here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fentanyl's, fentanyl's on the street. So, and the problem with fentanyl, the problem with fentanyl is not fentanyl, everybody. That's not the problem with fentanyl. Fentanyl is an amazing drug. When I had my kidney removed, they gave me fentanyl in the um, in the recovery room. And look at me, I'm still alive. So what is it about it? That, that the fentanyl that's being pressed into the pills 
or that's being put into what people are buying as heroin is not consistent. You might be getting 20 micrograms of fentanyl. You might be getting 150 micrograms mm, of fentanyl. Okay. There's no consistency. So it's it's the difference literally in coming from a lab versus let's just see how we can stretch this. You're, you can't overdose if you don't know what the fucking dose is to begin with. Is, That's a poisoning. Is fentanyl a stretching agent in this? Is that what it's used for? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um. You can't overdose if you don't know the dose. Yeah. Okay. If you've got a pill and you don't know how much is in that pill, you can't overdose, but you can be poisoned. If you think it's 15 and it's 150, you just got poisoned. Yeah. All right. So people, people get something, they use something, they're by themselves. They think they had this, they had that. They suffer a drug poisoning they stop breathing. An overdose is a respiratory failure. An right. overdose, they stop breathing. All right. There's a number. Never use alone. 800-484-3731. You can look it up on Facebook. You can look it up online. Go to Reddit and type in never use alone. Read all the testimonials of the people that have called the line that have been saved. And you're an operator. I am. I'm the education director. And I am a national line operator for Never Use Alone. We have, I lost count, 60 or 70. 60 or 70 people have called the line, have become unresponsive on that line, where we've had to activate 911 EMS. Every caller has survived. Every yeah, caller that, has lived to tell their story. That is an amazing stat. I think... I've really tried to think this morning. I think I've personally called EMS 21 times. And you told the story earlier and to give kind of a quick synopsis of the story, basically you had a friend that was an EMS worker, former addict in uh, Massachusetts. You got a call from a user in Massachusetts that just was coming out of uh, rehab or a halfway house, something like that. So she, she, got discharged punitively discharged from a sober living facility she went and picked up a substance she took it home she didn't have what she needed to use she stopped by the needle exchange picked up a packet that had a never use a loan card in it that never use a loan card was placed at that needle exchange by my best friend who was a paramedic in Massachusetts He, she, this, this young person, she called the line. I happened to be the one to answer the phone. 13, 16 minutes into the call, she became unresponsive. I activated EMS. My best friend who happened to be on duty that day, who put the cards at the syringe access, is the one that pulled her out of the bathroom and saved her life. Unbelievable. Um, she's, 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 amazing she's good she's got she's got another chance people say people say well she's got another she's got another chance to get sober no she's got another chance to live yeah yeah whatever life looks like for her but that's what the line does people call the line 800-484-3731 people call the line somebody like me 
gets on the line. We get, you don't have to give me a real name. You can give me a fake name. Just give me the, look, but if you're going to be Mickey Mouse, you're going to be Mickey Mouse forever because that's who you are now. Um, (laughs) So you better pick one you like. Um, Pick a name you like. I'm going to get your phone number. I'm going to get your address. We're going to go through a few little quick safety checks. I tell you to put me on speakerphone. You do what you do. If you become unresponsive, I call EMS. I get you some help. Can I save, can I guarantee to save your life? No. No, but I you're can't. you're experienced enough to know what to look for and what, what to hear for, really, from we what listen. you said. Yeah. We listen. We listen. Silence is deafening. So we listen for the silence. We listen for the, we listen for someone to become unresponsive. And when they do, we activate EMS. Is there ever a situation where the drug takes them to the point of not being responsive, but yet they're actually not ODing? Or is that a thing? It is a thing. It, it so we call that nodding. But you know, not a nod isn't a nod is a drug poisoning. A nod is still an overdose. If you've taken so much that you're nodding out to the point that you can't respond to this voice on speakerphone, <laughs> <laughs> you've you've passed the point of safety. Yeah. Um, we do video calls. There's several. There's several people that call the line regularly. Um, that that's a concern well what if i just nod out well if we could video chat then i would be able to see so we'll do a jitsi we can do facebook messenger video chat we do whatever we do whatever the caller wants and they feel comfortable because the whole point is no judgment we're just here to make sure you get through your whatever you're doing we develop such relationships with our callers that they they know us we know their dog's name we know if their mama's been in the hospital with covid they know you know, they'll call me and the first, you know, how's Mark doing? How's your baby doing? How many cats do you have now? I mean, we, we, we really develop relationships with these people. You know, I had a guy go down on the line last year and his mama, he lives in the house with his mama. Um, and she knows that he uses, uh, well, he used, he doesn't use anymore. He hasn't used in over a year, but she knew that he used substances, but she didn't he didn't want to put that burden on her so he would call the line he because we had such a relationship that as soon as i answered the phone he had already used the substance and he barely was able to say hey jesse before he went unresponsive Mm. but because i knew his voice i had his i had his information written down on a piece of paper in my office and i was able to dig it up and call 911 His, his mama called me the next morning and she said, Jesse, I just want to thank you. She said, because of you, I didn't have to pick out a casket for my son this morning. Wow. <sighs> the, I want, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say she touched on this, and this is something that I'm not sure you know of. She said whenever she had her kidney surgery, the woman donated a kidney. I don't, I don't <laughs> doubt for one second that you're not anything less than a saint. That's for sure. I am sorry. Like, this, this was friend- you know, mutual friend from, you know, things that I don't know if we want to say. Well, it, no, I mean, I, well, he was, I mean, yeah, I mean, I knew him outside of work, but he was a paramedic. Mm-hmm. He was a paramedic. And then he went back to nursing school. He became a nurse. I was his preceptor in the emergency room. He put on Facebook that he needed a kidney. And I thought, man, give somebody a kidney. That'd be some crazy shit, wouldn't it? And I went on about my life and I, I don't know why, but I was like, well, you know, hey, at least I can say I tried. They'll never want my kidney. <laughs> and here I sit, one kidney less. 
and never thought twice about it. She was like, okay, let's do it. No, at the point that they said, at the point, at the point that Emory called me and they were like, um, we think we need you to come up for tests. And I said, do y'all think I should tell my husband about this now? They're like, what? You haven't told. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm like, well, I didn't think we'd make it this far. Damn it. <laughs> okay. So I, I do have one question about the, the phone number though. Okay. And it's a worry more than a question. Okay. Do a lot of people not know about this? A lot of people don't know about it and a lot of people are scared of it. I was just about to say, do you have a lot of fear with with people that are they're scared to call because they're scared they're going to be outed or something like that? You want me to call this number and tell these people I don't know my address, my phone number, what kind of dope I got in my house, what room I'm in in my house. Wait, and then to, you want me to unlock my door? About, yeah, you want me to unlock my door and just you, in case? You want me to unlock my door? You must think I am Boo Boo the Fool. <sighs> and that's the, that's the fear. That's that's the stigma. stigma. Yeah, stigma that's the and everything shame. behind it. Stigma and shame. So that's why I always tell our callers when they call, especially first-time callers, I ask, I'm like, where did you get our number? And it's always... You know, we've got more we've got more doctors giving it out. We've got more treatment facilities giving it out. But so many times I get, well, I saw these posts on Reddit or or whatever. And so I tell people when it's when we've had a really, you know, we've had a good call, a successful call, and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I hadn't called this number before. I'm like, please go on social media however you can and and share this. Tell your homies, tell people that, you know, that you know that use that we're here and we're real and that we're not going to get them the last thing i want to do is get somebody caught up in some mess i was going to say you actually took it a little step further in our conversation and you said that you would tell people on the phone hey you need to unlock your door because if i send ems to you and your door is not unlocked they're probably going to call the fire department and in some municipalities they're going to have to call the police to break down the door and you do not want that to happen so trust police the police have absolutely no business responding to a drug poisoning or an overdose um i also tell people we we not just i we this is the training this is because i i wrote the curriculum i do the training for every never use alone operator that's considered to come on the line um these these operators are vetted they are personally vetted by me and others they go through a three-tier review they have to go through practice calls with us. We actually monitor their calls when they first start taking calls. And the first inkling in my spirit of anything not jiving, they are immediately removed from the line. And I never think about those. I never think about that operator again. Um, the, I am. I can. I am so serious about this. I will boot their asses off the line the first time they try to mention. If they even think about mentioning um, a rehab or being abstinent, we're just, we've got one goal. When you hang up that phone, you better be just as alive as you was when you called. That's it. I don't give a damn about none of the rest of it. You'll do what you want to do. People change when change makes sense to them and they're ready. And when they're ready to change, you have the resources available for them to go and actually achieve the change. Now, if they call and they say, Jesse, I think I'm tired of this shit and I want to do something different, baby, I got you. I can hook you up with all the things. Um, You know, there's one website, SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A dot org, S-A-M-H-S-A dot org. 
That has got every resource in the United States for anything, whether it's food dependency, um, substance use disorder, um, if you self harm, suicide, homicide, <laughs> whatever you whatever you thinking about, that they have got the hookup for every single state. So that's you know that's really important. Do I try to find you something? No, because I don't know what kind of, I don't know what you need. I don't know yeah. what's going to work best for you, but I can point you in the right direction. Right. Resources. I yeah. can point you to the resources. That's exactly right. So as far as what you feel can be done from maybe not federal government, I don't think any of us should rely on federal government anymore, but <laughs> as far as local communities, uh, advocacy groups, Things like that where people within a local community that can actually affect change. How do you suggest that someone goes if they're interested in harm reduction or if they have someone in their life that they would like to help in these ways? What do you feel the easiest way, maybe not to jump into this area? (laughs) I think it takes a special person to do this for one, but to to gain that understanding on a local level do you know of any kind of community groups that normally happen that wouldn't be publicly advertised maybe so around here so the best thing to do if you think that if if anybody listening across the u.s if you think hey i wonder if this is a problem here well first off if you're wondering if it's a problem in your community it is a problem in your community so Start looking, go online, go on Facebook, honestly. Go on Facebook and type in harm reduction Albany or Georgia or harm reduction Macon, Georgia or you know, harm reduction you know, San Francisco, California, whatever. If there's any mention of that, any posts, any comments, anything, you know they're going to come up. And that's a good place to start. You can also reach out to your local, um, you know, addiction treatment facilities any um um, like here we have aspire we also got behavioral health group you know any of you know any places that do methadone suboxone you know vivitrol anything like that reach out to them and say hey we know that y'all are you know that y'all are medicated assistant you know assisted um facilities are there any harm reduction facilities in the area I know that Aspire here, the Change Center here, if someone contacts them and says, I'm not quite ready to stop, but I want to be safer, they immediately connect that person to me without any hesitation. Even though they are abstinent-based, they know not everybody's there yet. So they will immediately connect them to me with the knowledge that when that person says, okay, all right, I think I'm sick of this, I'm going to flip them right back. Wow. So that's the place to start. Start there. Um, just Google harm reduction in your state. Harm reduction Pennsylvania. Harm reduction Wisconsin. See what comes up. There may be what, like, you know, here here in Georgia, we don't have a whole lot. We've got Access Point in Athens, Georgia. We've got um, the Atlanta Harm Reduction Coalition. There's some stuff that has started up around the Savannah and the Augusta, Georgia area. And there's us. And these are safer access places or are these facilities where it's kind of, I, I, that was where I kind of wanted to take it next is not only your opinion on these 
facilities like uh we we had talked about and i know there's some in new york and uh, seattle Mm. or over on the west coast um what is your stance on those okay so the, the the places that i mentioned here that are in georgia are places where you can get all the things the resources to help yeah well and you also can get what would be considered paraphernalia you can get you can get syringes you can get um you know syringes you can get pipes you can get education on safer injection practices snorting practices smoking practices how to prevent wounds wound care because people are going to do what they're going to do not yep. giving them a clean needle is not oh if they don't have a clean needle they won't inject yes they will they'll rinse an old one out with bleach they'll sharpen it on the side of a fucking building they will do what they have to do okay they will it's you're you're giving them something is not going to keep them from doing it they're just going to do it they're going to do it in a very unsafe way and they're going to hurt yep. themselves so the places that i mentioned are all places that have those things plus can connect you to recovery resources if that's what you want to do now what you're speaking about is safe injection facilities safe safe use facilities okay now there are safe use facilities illicitly all across the united states there are places where people who are using substances that can go where they won't be alone where someone who is trained to help them can help them they're legal in new york they're legal in a few other places. I'm not going to just try to talk off my yeah, ass yeah, yeah. because I'm not. I, I, I don't want to do that. But there are a few places where they are legal. Well, I'm more interested in your opinion on uh, if you actually believe 100%. that they help. Well, we've not had one single person die in yeah, one and, yet. And like you said, it's it's a respiratory issue with the overdosing and things like that. So if you have someone around that is trained that knows what to what to look out for, no one would ever die. There, no one has no one has died in a in a safer use facility yet because you have specially trained people there who know how to administer oxygen, who know how to use Narcan in the best way, who are they're not in their phones playing. They are actually without being creepy, without you know googling over you, are actually watching people in the facility who early detect there might be a problem about to happen who can intervene early, early. How do I feel about them? I believe in them 100%. To have those facilities, you also have to have recovery resources in place. To do what I do, I go out on the street, I do what I do, but to to be able to do this, you have to have certain things in place, okay? A lot of people think I'm just I'm just out there just throwing shit out, you know, for, so people can safely use drugs. Yeah, but I'm also out there with pamphlets upon pamphlets of resources for places to call i do i do mobile hiv testing and direct linkage to care if you test positive for hiv within 20 minutes i've got you an appointment and i've also and i'm also getting you to that appointment um housing if housing's an issue i know exactly who to connect you with i connect you immediately um you know, if you are a sex worker, I have all the things. I've got the condoms, the lubes, the dental dams. Um, I can make you immediate appointments for HIV testing. I mean, for STD testing, for treatment. I can get you on um, PrEP, which is the pre-exposure prophylaxis to HIV. It's a pill you take every day. 
um, for pre-exposure. If you're post-exposure, something called PRED, post-exposure prophylaxis to keep your you know risk down. Um, I'm not just out there giving out stuff. Yeah, I'm giving out a lot of hope too for the people that want it. Well, and sometimes someone just needs someone to talk to. You know, like you said, it's I would imagine. I know for myself, uh, everything was isolated. You know, I felt like I had four walls around me and at all times, and I had no one I could talk to because you can't exactly when you're well. For my situation, when I was involved in it who who can you possibly talk to to help that would understand that you have to have this thing and it's such a it's not a problem for them so they they don't they don't understand it we get hung up on wanting to help people and i i I, want to help i want to help i want to help i want to help people don't need your help bro people we don't just be there support me talk to me we people don't need help People need love. People need acceptance. People sometimes need somebody to stand in the gap to silence others so that they can be heard. People don't need help. That's, that's we're we're grown. We're, we we got this, but we do need to know that somebody loves us and somebody cares about us. And when we feel loved and supported, we can do what we got to do yeah. for ourselves. There's hope to get through whatever there is yeah sometimes you just need somebody standing behind you going bitch you're doing a good job keep going Uh, we had a question from someone alexis asks aren't there other country or aren't other countries that have done this seen rates of overdose overdose death infection accidental needle pricks etc go down rapidly Absol- I don't know if you know the data. I, well, and I can't. I can't spout the numbers off the top of my head because Albert Einstein said I should never memorize anything <laughs> I can look up, and I'm thankful for that. But yes, Alexis, absolutely. Places that have instituted safe injection facilities, safer use facilities, um, who have regulated drug supplies, meaning that their doses are consistent. Um, pe- places that have knocked out the stigma and the shame behind substance use have seen amazing results because we're not out there hiding. People aren't having to try to throw their needles away and in places where they don't belong. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the, the data's there. Yeah. We, we see the same thing with hemp, uh, with the stigma behind hemp cannabis, things like that. When we had, we, we had a guy walk in yesterday not that this is related to harm reduction whatsoever, just to tell you the mentality of the misinformation and how deep that goes with some people. This guy walks in and he, he looks at me, he says, what's the percentage of your best sativa? And, I, and I, in our world, that, what? Like, I, do, you, do you see how many products we have in here? Like, man, come, come in, let me talk to you. And he wanted an answer to that question. If I couldn't answer that question, he turned around and walked right out. My point is, is that people have, unfortunately, it's hard to break through with even the beginning conversations of reducing harm or showing alternatives whenever it's so branded into people's brains that this is the way it is. This is the way it it should, should have been. This is the way it is. And this is the way it's going to be. And you, you can't break through to some people, but I wish there were a way 
to make Americans especially wake up to the idea that we need to take care of each other and then we need to look out for each other. And like you said, we need to love each other regardless of background, whatever the reason may be. Maybe this person, maybe this person is struggling just because they've had a fucking tough life, you know, like maybe you've not had to worry about those kinds of things. I know when you talk about privilege, I've, I, 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 I constantly check my privilege, you know, because I'm of the understanding of all it takes sometimes is a phone call, like you said. And that fact alone makes me aware that privileges exist and it re- it's real and that it has to be kept in check if because I, it's an abuse if it's not. If I'm trying to help someone secure housing and I've got two people standing in front of me who identify as female and one's black and one's white. I will have a harder time placing that black female than I will the white one. That's privilege, period. If if my husband and my husband's best friend are riding in a vehicle together and they're stopped and they both got weed on them, I'm just saying, it's whatever. Yeah. My husband's best friend's black. Which one of those two men do you think are going to go to jail? Yep, for sure. It won't be my husband who's white. Yep, I can. That's that. Yep. I mean, privilege goes that basic. And we have to check that privilege. We have we have to realize that that is that is huge. And in this town, you know, we talk about, you know, this side of town and that side of town and this street corner and that street corner. And, you know, we've got that most beautiful Facebook page that. Oh, you know, God. I'm not even going to talk about yeah, that. You don't have to. Um, and, you know, where it just slams people, slams people, slams people. The whole and, objective is to tear people down. And, and you know, and the people behind that page are so eat up with their own privilege. Yeah. I mean, fake, fake profiles so that they can talk to themselves so, about rallying people up. So silly. It's insane. Um, but, you know, we don't. Careful, we might end up on there if we keep talking about it. <laughs> I've been on there, jackass. I don't care. I know. I don't either. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't care because you know, people can say what they want to about me. You um, know who you are. I don't get a whole lot of people talk. I don't get a whole lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. I don't get a whole lot of backlash because where there's a lot people can say about me, there's also a lot of those very same people who know I'm helping their family members. I'm helping their oh friends. Oh my gosh, you're damn right. And, and, you know, bash me if you want to, shut me down if you want to. Your kids die. And you'll never... Your family dies. And you'll never stop me no matter what you say. That's how I feel. You know, I I deal with it too. And no, it's I mean, like, do you really think that you're stopping me? Like, you're just giving me a little bit more fuel. Appreciate it. You know, there's always there's always some excitement about doing things that you're not supposed to do. And, you know, when 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 my name or the organization does get dropped on Facebook or whatever, there's always going to be some people in the background going, oh, a chance to be a rebel. Let me help her. Hmm. And so throw the gas on the fire. It burns brighter. And in my experience uh, with that same notion, the ones that are not talking or that are not engaging on that post, they're actually paying attention to you. You know, there's a ton of people that I don't comment on things. I have my thoughts on everything that I read, but I don't comment. 
I'll wait until I see you. My you know? silence speaks volumes. Yes. I've been called out. I was called out. I've been called out several times on Facebook um, for what I do. And the best response that I have is no response. None. I don't dignify it with a response. I'm not going to engage. If you want to know why I'm doing what I'm doing, you are more than welcome to contact me. And I will maybe consider allowing you to come spend time on outreach with me. I've had tons of people ask me if they could help me. No, I don't like you. I don't trust you. I don't know why you <laughs> want her. to be. I, love you so much. I don't know why you want to be a part of this because I see the shit you say on Facebook. I hear the shit yep. you say out loud. I'm not ever putting you in front of the people that I love. Fuck you. Yeah. And I've never seen you go above and beyond with what you're trying to do. You're just waiting for that person to leave so you can get back to doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. I feel it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, no, it's such a, I mean, you know, 229 SLA, this little, this little organization that I do, you know, I'm 100% self-funded. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, all the supplies are paid for out of my pocket. Yeah. Proof. You come to, to our store and buy screens. Everything Where that I boxes, ev- boxes ev- of them. Everything that I do, and thank you, thank you for not making me pay retail price for them. <laughs> well, and we've I'd never still be doing it, but I just wouldn't get to eat on Monday. Well, you know, and we've never finished that exploration as to what more I have access to that you need, and we need to do that. We will, and yeah. we w- and we will. Um, we're we're it takes it takes some more stuff than just than just right. We, we've actually got to have people that are willing to be our test pilots for that, and yeah. you know, um, so we've. We're going to get there. But, you know, I'm, I'm 100% self-funded. Um, everything I pay for comes out of my pocket. You know, the whole, I mean, she's just out there, quote, giving the junkies Narcan, unquote. Um, why is Narcan free when my insulin isn't free? Blah. All right, first off, Narcan ain't free. Narcan is not free. The Narcan that I give out is purchased by a grant. The Georgia Overdose Prevention out of Atlanta fought tooth and nail behind this precious woman's son dying. She founded this organization because she didn't want other children dying. She founded this organization. They lobbied in the state Senate. We have a blanket prescription. States, state's attorney general issued a blanket prescription for Narcan. Narcan is available at any pharmacy. All you have to do is walk up and say, I need Narcan. They have to provide it. Now, it's not free. If you have insurance, they can file it on your insurance. If you don't have insurance, you have to pay retail price for it. All right. If you're in the state of Georgia listening to this and you need Narcan, Georgia Overdose Prevention, go online to the Georgia Overdose Prevention. There is a simple Google form that you can fill out. They will send you Narcan for free. Contact me. Go on Facebook. Look up 229 Safer Living Access or send me an email. 229 Safer Living Access at Gmail. Send me an email. I need Narcan. I'm in Georgia. Boom. I got you. You got same, Narcan. And same for our customers too. They can come to us and we can get them in touch with you. Um, we've done it before. We had a an amazing customer of ours, lifelong customer of ours since the companies began. And he, uh, he's paralyzed and he didn't want to trouble his wife because he keeps her up at night. 
you know, like with his, with his paralysis and getting up and going to the restroom and things like that. So his idea was to take some medicine so that he can sleep throughout the night. and She can finally get a good night's rest. He is not a drug addict. He's not someone that uses these for anything outside of his paralysis. He OD'd that night and he laid there and he almost died. And luckily Denise came in and found him, called the ambulance, got them there. The ambulance had used the dose of Narcan that was on the, uh, the rig, the rig on the last patient that they had. They didn't have time to restock. He was minutes away from dying. And this is a man that has never abused drugs in his life. So it's not just for the person that society would say is the drug addict. No, everybody needs Narcan. If you've got, if you've got an opiate in your house, you need Narcan people's metabolisms are different people process medications differently if you're going to the pain clinic and the pain clinic's got you on a medicine three times a day but they change it to two times a day and you forget and take more than you were supposed to because you forget because the person taking the medicine's got dementia or something like that going on how about this everybody loves pets right you love your dog you love your pet what if you drop that pill on the floor and your dog scarfs it up yeah did you know Narcan works on dogs? Well, I was just about to say, can you go into explaining what Narcan does and what its function is? So when we take an opiate, it sits in the opiate receptors of the brain. It goes whoop, right there to the brain. It falls right in there. The round peg falls in the round hole. Okay. Well, our brain can't tolerate but so many round pegs in the round holes before we go into respiratory depression. All right. Narcan goes in and says, oh, shit, we got too many got too many round pegs in the round holes and it snatches some of them off yeah pushes them out it just yeah it just pushes them out pushes them out um the thing about narcan is it's, it lasts in the body for about an hour to an hour and a half and then it starts dissipating so now back in the day when we had real dope real dope lasted and you know it, it has some legs on it so it can still be circulating around in the bloodstream. So as the Narcan wears off, the dope yeah. can settle back down. Yeah. The person can overdose again. They can re-narcotize. They can go back down. Now with the fentanyl and the fentanyl analogs that we've got out now, that's not such of a thing as much. Um, so what happens is the opiate rips all the, um, the, the Narcan rips all the opiate off. And then as the Narcan starts, you know, dissipating, the person's in withdrawal. Full-blown withdrawal, yeah. What we call precipitated withdrawal. It's not, I feel withdrawal coming yeah. on. It's, oh, shit. This I, is like two days into withdrawal, I, yeah. In, in about an hour. It yeah. hits, and I mean, they're they're physically breaking in half. And if you've never experienced that, it's, the, it's a sickness you've never, ever want to experience in your life. You never want to do it. So when that happens to somebody, what do they do? They have to stop the pain, and they stop the pain by reusing, and they often reuse the same thing that put them in that situation to begin with. They hit the same dose that they did that put them there to start with, and they die. So in your opinion, from what you've told me, you believe that Narcan is overused sometimes. Narcan can absolutely be overused. Um, when someone goes into respiratory failure, they need air. That's the number one thing. They need air. They need rescue breaths. Narcan's good. Narcan's great. But we can give too much. Now, I can't I can't overdose you on Narcan. I can't make you sick off Narcan. But 
I don't have to pull all that opiate off right. your opiate receptor. Right. I don't need right. to do that. I just need to pull off enough that you can breathe. Well, it's it's almost like the understanding is not there that, oh, I, maybe I don't need to go that hard on it because I don't want to put them into this severe pain. Yeah. No. And, and, and you know, I love, I love, ooh, EMS. I love EMS. I love paramedics. I've been a nurse a very long time. Um, most of that was in the ER and in a correctional facility. I love my paramedics, but a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of us, a lot of people in general think, well, if this hurts bad enough, they won't want to do it again. That's just not the way it works. It's not that EMS is being cruel, mostly, but a lot of them think if I can make it hurt bad enough, they won't do it again. Yes, they will. Mm. That's hard to hear. It's hard to see. Yeah. Uh, Alexis asked another question. Okay. Uh, what else do you need? Clothes, blankets, uh, what the average, what can the average person help or donate to help for your cause? So for me, honestly, um, and I hate Alexis, I even hate to say this like this for me, the need would be money because I have to buy supplies. Um, I can do one thing so good i can fuck up two things royally (laughs) there are so many organizations in our town that already do clothing that do food that do hygiene that that those needs are easy to meet um the the harm reduction supplies i buy medical supplies i treat wounds on the street um, I do all, I mean, I do all kinds of things like that. Those, those are the things now with, with the, you know, as far as a lot, some things that, some things that could be purchased, some things that, that could be purchased for me, um, would be sunscreen, chapsticks, Jeez, especially now it's fucking oh hot, bro. God. It's, it's, yeah. Cases of water. I, I can't even, I, I, Stacy and I talk about this all the time when we're, when we're out and about and we see someone, I, I can't understand how they're out right now. So I keep, I keep cases of water in my Jeep at all times, or I try to when I, you know, when I can't, um, I keep cases of water in my Jeep at all times. I keep the plastic cut on them. I keep them in a tote, a gray tote with a lid and it keeps them very cool actually. Um, we were doing outreach yesterday and uh, we were going down Madison or Monroe. I don't remember one of the one way streets we were going down and there was a homie walking down the road and you know Jasmine my volunteer with me on Mondays um, you know I she you know I reached back and grabbed the water and I you know I, I'm like I'm like you know give this to this guy and so she's like hey homie and he turned around and you know she handed him the water and there was a car of people behind us that I didn't see started blowing the horn and I thought wait I thought Come I thought, I thought well I thought well I look up and the lights red and I so I get ready to cuss no they they've both got their thumbs out oh, okay. like high fiving and you know thumbs up <laughs> and you know um what sometimes all it takes is just a simple act of kindness well but what that did too see. The people behind me may be like, shit, we need to have water in our vehicle too now. Yeah. So it's that. Oh, I'm, I'm leaving to go get water. See? Yeah. It's something that yeah. simple. Keep it keep it in hands. Keep it. And I try to, and I, I even try to keep a pack of crackers there too. Don't get peanut because peanut butter, because a lot of people are allergic to peanut butter. Yeah. But just get like regular cheese on cheese crackers. Um, And 
be like, yo, homie, hand him a pack of crackers and some water. Yeah. It's, you've just. A little bit of help goes a long way. Now, you were saying, because you're self-funded and whatnot, do you have um, somewhere that people can donate? You know, because not everybody that's listening to us, hopefully, (laughs) is in Albany, so nobody can actually get to you. Um, do you have somewhere where they can donate? Do you have a a, a fund of some kind if people I've got, want to donate? I do. I've got um I've got cash. I've got Cash App. I've got PayPal. I got Venmo. I got. I mean, I got all the things. Um, and my organization is fiscally funded. So anybody that donates that wants to donate an amount um that would be sizable enough that they might want to file on their taxes. Um, I do fall under a 501c3 organization points of distribution. Um, so I can, and I have that information available that I could provide to anybody that might want to make a donation big enough that would be fileable on their taxes. We need to make sure that we list all those. Yeah. Into this. And also, could we put up uh, some sort of donation at the store to where our customers that hear this, if they would like to donate to your organization, they could do it through the store. Could we arrange something like that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't ever turn down anybody's offer to make donations because there's a lot of people that do that that would like to get involved, but they don't know how, they don't know why, they don't know when, where, but they do say, Hey, I can I got ten bucks I'd like to throw in the pot. Yeah. Ten bucks buys a fuck ton of water. Yeah, it does. Well, I'm working on getting something an event together at the store um i want to do a concert out in the parking lot and i haven't actually had any sort of you know direction on how i wanted to do it or how i wanted it to be uh i want to do everything for a reason you know what i mean i just don't want to just do an event to do an event make money we we don't need all the stress but but uh i would like to offer you that uh that show we would like to do something for safe for living to where we have an event and we donate proceeds and we collect money and we get radio involved and we spread the word because i feel that aside from the money the awareness is way more important and if we can't take uh if if and people are hurting right now too you know so if we can give some sort of platform to where i can have you there alongside us to promote these things and these ideas and these this humanity that we're all trying to spread i would love to have safer living access as the recipient of whatever donations are given to us that day to be able to help you fuck you <laughs> <laughs> she's in her feels so let's how, get a close-up so- of them eyes <laughs> I'm just kidding. so the irony of that is um the band 95 mm-hmm have already approached me that they would like to do a fundraiser for Tutu. I know the singer. We can make it happen. I know the singer too. He's a good <laughs> friend of mine. Riley Anderson is, he's, he has good taste in whiskey, by the way. <laughs> I've heard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, Riley um, Anderson is another one that wants to do it, do it with us. He wants uh, to be there to lend a hand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, um, Greg and I talked about this. Greg contacted me a long time ago about this. Um, they actually at the hospital, um, they give out my cards if they have people who come in who have got, um, you know, um, substance-related wounds, infections, they connect them with me on discharge. Those are at the store, too, as well, on our information counter. If you need, uh, if you come into the store and need access to Jess and you don't feel like talking to us, they're on the table. Grab a card. Yeah. 
just send a message to the Facebook page, um, myself or one of my two volunteers, um, either Courtney or Jasmine, will return your message. Um, and, you know, if if you just have heard my voice connected with my face and specifically want to talk to me, just be like, hey, can I really get Jesse to call me back or message me back or whatever? And it will 100% be me. But the other two are just as good as I am, if not better. So, Jess, I don't know you that well over these years, but the, the things that I do know about you are absolutely incredible. Um, you're an amazing human. So thank you very much for being with us, for one, and thank you for doing all that you do for not just our community, but for others over the phone all over the country and for your advocacy that you do on behalf of people that need it, truly need it. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this and for taking the time to talk to us. I never thought I'd be here. I'll be 49 next month, August um, this is absolutely not what I saw myself doing, um, but I can't imagine doing anything else. So thank y'all for believing in me enough to let me come talk a little bit about what I do. Of course. Anytime. Anytime you have a message that you need to put out there, we, we got gotcha. you. <laughs> Today's message is don't be a dick. I was supposed to say don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. And if you're wondering why somebody's doing something, stop and ask them. Be nice. Stop and ask them. Show up with a pack of crackers, a bottle of water, and just say, hi. Well, if there's one thing I know about our crowd is that our crowd is full of good people, you know? So I I know that when we put this out there, it's on Twitch right now, but it's going to go to everywhere today. And (laughs) if you would like to help Jess out and you want to help her with with her mission, you can donate through the store. Or you can go into the description of the episode or any of our social links, and we're going to have all the information there so that Jess can be contacted, so that she can be helped with funding, anything else that she needs. And like I said, we're going to put together an event. Uh, It will most likely be in August, I would assume. Probably, actually, maybe a little bit later in the year. Yeah, so it's Uh, not so hot. It depends on the heat. Yeah, I don't want I don't want people to stand out in 100 degree weather. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put that together and we'll keep everybody informed on when, where, how, all the details. So Jess, thank you so much. We appreciate everything. DJ, love you. Love you. Let's love get you, to work. Jess. Let's go love, to work. Love y'all. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you for listening to the Good Life Store podcast. We will see you soon.